episode number 207 of the Emotionally Equipped podcast. Hi, this is Shira Gura. Welcome to my podcast. If you're new to me, just so that you know who you're listening to, I am the author of the books, Getting Unstuck, Five Simple Steps to Emotional Well-Being, and The Clear Way, Five Simple Steps to Be Mentally Prepared for Anything. These books are based on two self-help tools I created that support you in getting unstuck and getting clear so you can live deliberately. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today. And now for today's episode. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. So I would like to dedicate this episode to the memory of my father-in-law, Yehuda Gura, who died this past Wednesday. And even though this is not what I intended to bring to the podcast this week, this is what I am bringing to the podcast because I do try to stay as real and in real time as possible with you each week. When I first got the news of the passing of my father-in-law last Wednesday, it was around two o'clock in the afternoon. And one of the first things I did was send a message to a WhatsApp group that I'm in for one of my kids because we were planning his bar mitzvah the following weekend. And I just felt that even though technically we were supposed to continue with the bar mitzvah, even though there was a death in the family, I wanted to defer it. And my son agreed. And when I sent out the WhatsApp, many of the parents responded with their condolences, and a few people asked if the death was expected or not. And I wasn't sure at the time if my husband or if my mother-in-law wanted to share the details, so I respectfully didn't share anything. The funeral took place a few hours later. They don't waste much time here in Israel when it comes to funerals. It's quite amazing how quickly such arrangements can be made, and how people can arrange their lives to attend a last-minute funeral. I haven't attended the funeral of a close family member here in Israel before. I did attend my grandfather's funeral in New Jersey. That's when I was a teenager. And most recently, his wife, my grandmother, this time last year when I flew to the States just before the outbreak of COVID. All I can say is funerals there are so much different than they are here. But I won't go into that now because that's not the topic of this episode. Now, because the details of my father-in-law's death have been spoken about over the last week, I think it's safe to say that I can share them here on this podcast. So let me go back and share with you what happened. About a week and a half ago, my father-in-law was having his normal day. He did some food shopping and he went to the bank in the morning. He came home for lunch and he walked over to the gym, which is about a two-minute walk from his house. And he goes there every single day to sit in the jacuzzi. The truth of the matter is the only reason he still had a gym membership was because he liked sitting in the jacuzzi. My father-in-law was anemic and he felt cold all of the time. Even in the summer, I remember finding him sitting in the house wearing a sweater. At one point when he was in the army, and to be honest, I have to find out if this was during the obligatory army training, you know, starting at the age of 18, or when it was during the reserves, which takes place a few weeks out of every year until the age of like 40 or 45. I don't know exactly when it happened, but at some point he was shot in the stomach. And, oh, the story, right? The story of him 
holding the insides of his belly like with one hand while driving himself to a hospital with the other. It's a terrible story, but the point is, after his surgery, the stomach, I think, was shrunken and he lost other parts of his body. I don't know all the details. All I know is, from that point on, he became anemic. So he loved his jacuzzi time. It was really the highlight of his days. But the problem is, is he would sit in the jacuzzi for much longer than he should have, and he would faint from the heat. And after this happened a few times, he was told by the staff of the gym not to come back. But of course, he didn't listen. And then about a week and a half ago, he was sitting in the jacuzzi for way too long, like 40 minutes, rather than the recommended 10 minutes, I think. And he fainted, and he slipped under the water. And the cameras show that there were other people actually sitting in the jacuzzi with him when he drowned, but they didn't go down to get him. And I get it. I mean, my husband and the rest of his family members, they're upset by this, but I mean, I get it. I'm a trained lifeguard, and I know I would have gone down and gotten the body, but I'm just assuming the other people that were there in the jacuzzi with him, they were also probably older people, and diving into a 100-degree Fahrenheit pool is not something most people feel comfortable with, let alone know how to do. So they called for the lifeguard, but of course the lifeguard stand is on the other side of the lap pool. So who knows how long my father-in-law was laying at the bottom of this jacuzzi. Long story short, he was in this induced coma for a couple of days, I believe, and then slowly came out of it. But at that point, he had pneumonia, which the medical team ended up not being able to cure. And that was the official cause of death, pneumonia, due to drowning. So for the past week or so, I've been sitting at my mother-in-law's house, which was the dedicated house uh, for mourning. Now, I want to take a break from that story for a moment just to share with you that the focus of the word this month is joy. And at the monthly Emotionally Equipped Circle that took place last week, I announced the word of the month, which for some people, you know, responded with interest and curiosity. And while others, they just kind of cringed when they heard the word joy, knowing the life circumstances that they're in right now. And what I'd like to share with you on this episode is where I noticed and deliberately practiced being joyful despite the turmoil. Keep in mind, the word of the month is not something that I or you should expect yourself to be 100% of the time. Rather, it's more like a background to your life or like the background to a canvas when you're painting a picture of your life. It's there for you to access and choose if and when you want. So my husband is one of five brothers, and they all have their own families. So together, including their cousins, we're about 30 people. And in the traditional mourning period, the family members who have a direct relationship to the person who passed away, like a parent, a spouse, or a child, you're not supposed to do anything, really. You're not supposed to go to work or dress nicely or do any heavy work or cooking or cleaning or even look in the mirror for seven days. Now, not only have I not experienced a family member's death yet in Israel, I also haven't experienced what it's like to be in the role of the supporting family member. 
Usually, when we would gather at my in-law's house, my mother-in-law would be, you know, in charge. It's her house. She would always be the one who had, you know, the food cooking on the stove, and she'd always have a clean house for us to come to, and she'd also usually offer to clean up as well, even though, of course, we would always do our best to pitch in so that she wouldn't feel the burden of our visit. But during the last week, of course, this wasn't the case. My mother-in-law had no intentions of cooking and cleaning and food shopping and preparing the house and doing the dishes and throwing out the trash and serving the guests food and drink and making meals for the mourners, right? None of that. That wasn't her role this week. And so that role fell to the daughters-in-law, of which I am one of them. And of the five women, I am the one who was the most available because I run my own business So my sisters-in-law are all employed by companies and they couldn't take off the time the way that I can. And I just want to actually take a moment to say thank you to those of you who I do work with and who were so sensitive to what was going on and generously agreed to move our session times around so that I can continue to be of support to my family. You know who you are and I just want to do a shout out to you and say thank you. Now, From the outside, it could appear that I was working hard, and hence, I wasn't happy. Now, the first part was true. I was working hard. I feel like I hardly sat down during the last week. I really wanted to stay on top of things so that my husband, nor his brothers, nor his mom had anything to do. And since I was more or less alone on this job, I was really on it. But unhappy? No, that couldn't have been farther from the truth. Despite the tragic story, inside, I was filled with joy for so many reasons. Joy to be with my husband's family for seven straight days in a row. I can't tell you how incredible it's been not only seeing my husband's brothers and my mother-in-law every single day for the past week, because that's something I've never experienced in my life before, but really just speaking to them and hearing the stories that you know tend to come out after someone dies and looking at old slides, photos that I've never seen before in my life, all of this was so joyful to me. I was also joyful to be able to step up to the plate and fulfill this role of helper slash cleaner slash cook slash dishwasher slash server. I didn't see it as a burden or as something I had to do, or that someone would look down on, but rather I saw it as an honor, and I delighted in every action I took, including washing the dishes by hand, because my mother-in-law, like us, does not have a dishwasher. I was also joyful with my home community. On Saturday night, I sent a last-minute message telling the community that my husband was home for this one night only, and if anyone wanted to stop by, we would be doing an evening prayer service, followed by my husband sharing some words about his father. I don't know, I expected a handful of people to show up. I was stunned to see how many people showed up on that rainy night. It was standing room only, but more than the numbers, I was amazed by who showed up. Not only people my husband or I are necessarily so close with, but even people that we weren't because they simply cared. I am blown away by my community. Those who came to the last minute funeral, those who paid a visit to my mother-in-law's house, those who came to our house that rainy Saturday night, those who baked cakes, 
those who made us bread, those who offered to schlep my kids different places this week, and those who offered to lead prayer services. Yes, this week has been emotionally challenging, but the inner joy I am feeling is so real. I do not take my community for granted one bit. Being part of such a powerful community is definitely one of the reasons my family and I are thriving the way we are today. And finally, just one more piece of joy I'd like to share with you. When my father-in-law came out of the coma, he suffered until he died. He was in pain. He couldn't speak, which was so frustrating to him. And he was connected to like every single kind of tube possible. And I know he didn't like that. And yet, when I think back to those last couple of days, I'm filled with joy. Why? Because there was some healing that took place in the hospital between my father-in-law and my husband. Their relationship wasn't a great one in the final years. And while my father-in-law could have simply drowned and that would have been the end of the story, by the grace of God, he stayed alive for just enough more time for my husband to feel the love from his father that he never really felt growing up or even felt now as an adult. My father-in-law called for my husband, even when he wasn't on duty. And when my husband was there, he received hugs and patting on the hand, again, something he never, ever received in his life. And I am so grateful of that healing opportunity, and yes, filled with inner joy to have witnessed it. My friends, lots of us experience turmoil in our lives and in our relationships. But the question is, even during tumultuous times, does it mean that feeling joy is not possible? Is it wrong to feel pockets of joy during such difficult times? I invite you to think about your life right now. And I invite you to consider where can you practice creating inner joy, even if it seems like the last emotion you quote-unquote should be feeling right now is joy. I believe joy is accessible to us in any moment. The question is, are you choosing to feel it or are you stuck in choosing to feel it? My friends, if you are listening to this in real time, I am going to be leading an unstuck challenge that begins this coming Sunday, April 18th, 2021. I would love for you to join me. You can sign up over on my website at shiragura.com. And one more thing, at the end of this month, I am officially opening the doors for the first time to my virtual community. It's called the Emotionally Equipped Circle. If you're interested to learn more details, because I have a lot more to share, make sure you are subscribed to my newsletter, which also can be found on my website. Okay, my dear friends, stay tuned for more episodes this month on the topic of joy. I plan to speak about joy versus happiness and the concept of pleasure and immediate gratification. And I even plan to speak a little bit about failure and where you can find joy within the failure. So definitely stay tuned. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today, wishing you a wonderful rest of your week. And as always, I look forward to getting emotionally equipped with you. 
Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Emotionally Equipped Podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, join me over on Instagram at Shira Gura. I look forward to engaging with you over there. See you next week.